0: Alright, hello everyone and welcome to Redeemed Through His Blood. In this podcast, we highlight the hope, healing, and redemption that is available to all of us through the Atonement of Jesus Christ. My name is Scott Durfee. It's my pleasure today to introduce my partner in this project, our teacher, David Durfee.
1: Good morning, everybody.
0: Good to have you here, Dave. Gang, a couple of real quick housekeeping items before we dive in today's topic which we are both very excited about we've been sitting here in preparation and probably have spent more time talking amongst ourselves or talking between each other uh, about the things that we're going to be talking about and uh, just so much excitement and uh, joy about uh, the things that we're going to be talking about today so we want to thank everybody for being with us uh, for your emails. Uh, if I could just remind you, he redeems us at gmail.com. We do have that email available Uh, For you to uh, participate in, Uh, if you'll send us emails, if you'll ask us questions, if you'll make comments, if you have any suggestions, we've received a few of those and appreciate those. Uh, Some of the things that we may or may not be aware of uh, that's your experience. If you'll share those with us, we'll do our best to make it the best experience we possibly can for you. Again, that's a He Redeems Us at gmail.com. A couple of other uh, exciting announcements, and uh, by the time this rolls out, this will kind of be old news. Uh, we have a great person, her name's Cherie Curtis, who's helping us with our social media. So go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to both of those, find us there. He Redeems Us. Uh, it's uh, or it's redeemed through His blood, rather. Uh, it's redeemed through His blood. You'll be able to find us there uh, at both of those as well. Uh, great stuff there. Sharif's been putting out some great uh, little topics or li- little great little blurbs that we've uh, and quotes and so on. So enjoy enjoy that. Participate with us there. Tell your friends. Last episode we covered a lot of really important stuff as we started talking about the events of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And as we moved into the events of Jesus Christ, we're going to do a little bit of recap on that here in just a few minutes. But as we moved into the events of the Atonement of Jesus Christ, we start to unfold a great panoramic view of what's happening uh, in the lives of those that are participating. And more importantly, and most importantly, the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, uh, Dave, as we start diving into and in preparation for today's topic. In today's topic, I think we're going to move to Golgotha and be dealing mostly with the crucifixion of uh, Jesus Christ. But before we do that, would you mind just kind of summarizing and recapping some of the things that were important from last episode?
1: Thank you, Scott. Last time we talked about that sacred, holy experience of Jesus in Gethsemane and uh, spoke much about how this infinite atonement, what that means, and how it had to be a sacrifice of blood. And we spoke a lot about the the blood that Jesus begins to spill and sacrifice for all the world. And um, I've thought about that this past week a little bit, Scott, and it's just been impressed upon my mind how often we sing about it in our in our sacrament services and how often we read about it how often we talk about it but sometimes we don't fully understand and appreciate uh, what he did like we should and sometimes we read the words we say the words we speak about it we sing about it and we we sometimes don't let it go into our hearts and as I was singing the the uh, hymns this past week in sacrament meeting that was impressed upon me and I started to kind of review uh, some of the sacrament hymns that we sing for example uh, hymn number 184 upon the cross of Calvary and verse 1 says upon the cross of Calvary They crucified our Lord and sealed with blood the sacrifice that sanctified his word. So notice the the phrase, and sealed with blood the sacrifice. Then in uh, reverently and meekly now, very next hymn in the hymn book. Reverently and meekly now, let thy head most humbly bow. Think of me, thou ransomed one. Think what I for thee have done. With my blood that dripped like rain, sweat in agony of pain. With my body on the tree, I have ransomed even thee. Again, reference to the blood. In verse 1, hymn number 186, Again we meet around the board, Of Jesus our redeeming Lord with faith in his atoning blood our only access unto God that's an interesting phrase with faith in his atoning blood we speak of faith in Christ we speak of faith in the name of Christ and sometime we should do an episode on the difference between those two yeah I agree. Faith in Christ and faith in the name of Christ. Right. Because they're not the same thing. No,
0: they're not. In fact, we've got a lot of really great stuff that we can talk about yeah. you know, when it comes to the name. Okay, it, we, we name.
1: need to do that sometime. Yeah. But this is a this is a unique and interesting phrase, which I love. With faith in his blood. Faith in his atoning blood. Well, Scott, let's, let's go just for you, through a few more as an example, if you don't mind. Maybe reading for a minute. Let's go over to hymn number 192 and read the second verse. Hymn number 192, which is, He died, the great Redeemer died. And why don't you read
0: verse 2. Come saints and drop a tear or two for him who groaned beneath your load. He shed a thousand drops for you, a thousand drops of precious blood. And verse, uh, Scott, one more maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, 193, verse 1, I stand all amazed.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, might be my favorite hymn. I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me, confused at the grace that so fully he proffers me. I tremble to know that for me he was crucified, that for me a sinner he suffered, he bled and died. Oh, it's wonderful that He should care for me enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to me. I had to throw that verse of the course in there because I think I that's think so. We important. can all hear yeah. the music in our head yeah. as you
1: as you read those, and I just I love the ne- the next hymn in the hymn book is "There Is a Green Hill Far Away," and in verse four it reads, "Oh, dearly, dearly has He loved, and we must love Him too, and trust." in his redeeming blood, and try his works to do. Well, there's a lot to think about in that verse. Um, trust in his redeeming blood is similar to having faith in his blood. And the very next one, and I'll make this the last one, but there's others. The last one that we'll read is one of my favorites. Sacrament hymns, How Great the Wisdom and the Love, written, written by Lizar Snow. Love this. And she, such a great poet and hymn writer, verse 1, How great the wisdom and the love that filled the courts on high and sent the Savior from above to suffer, bleed, and die. It wasn't enough that he suffer. He had to bleed, and it wasn't enough that he just suffer and bleed. Today we'll talk about his death. The very next, first line of the very next verse, or stanza there, His precious blood he freely spilt. His precious blood he freely spilt. I love that. His life he freely gave. A sinless sacrifice for guilt, a dying world to save. Well... The theology, our theology, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, while we sing it, while we read it, while we understand to some degree what, what it means, I don't know to, that we uh, fully focus on it enough, Scott, which is it was a bloody sacrifice it was, it's his blood that, as we spoke last time, cleanses us, heals us, strengthens us, ransoms us. Um, such an important uh, point of doctrine when we speak about Jesus Christ and his atonement, and thus really the title of our podcast. And Paul speaks about it. Maybe, maybe we can turn to a scripture too.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Is that okay? Yeah, I think we should. Uh,
1: just to wrap this up, then we'll move on. Yeah,
0: I, as we're getting ready to dive into this scripture, uh, just let me just really quickly add this. So last week, which would be episode nine, go back there and go through the events of Gethsemane and... and relive some of the things that we talked about in preparation. You don't have to listen to the whole thing, but if you'll just take a few minutes and go through and listen to the most poignant parts of last week's episode in preparation for this week, because it really is a building one on the other. These events run together. They don't stand alone uh, completely. I mean, they are their own events, but they don't completely stand alone. One is dependent on the other. So Golgotha, where we're going today, is is really dependent on Gethsemane. Gethsemane was really dependent on the, uh, the uh, li- uh, life of the Savior. And so as you see these things start building one on the other, uh, it might be a good exercise to go back and just to kind of refresh.
1: Yeah, thank you, Scott. Well, I mentioned being cleansed, uh, being healed, being strengthened, ransomed. Paul in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. The again, the attributes of Christ's blood and the power of his blood in our lives. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Justified through his blood. We've talked about being cleansed because of his blood, being healed through his blood, being strengthened by his blood. Now Paul says in Romans that we are justified by his blood. And over in Hebrews, this is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. Many scholars believe Paul wrote Hebrews, many some think that he didn't. I I think he did. So I think that the author of this is Paul again. In Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse twelve it reads Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate or outside the gate, which is Golgotha. Right. Actually Golgotha in gethsemane were both outside the walls or gate of jerusalem so paul teaches us two other principles of the power of the blood of christ the blood justifies us and it sanctifies us scott
0: last week i I think it was last week we just made real quick mention of what it means to be justified and i just kind of want to touch on that real quick again dave Justification. So we should all be probably semi-familiar with justification on a Word document. You know, we have computers and we hit the justification. and, and, And what does that mean when we justify a document? What that means is we bring it into complete and proper alignment, right? That means that anything that's just a little bit off... Gets brought back. Anything that's a lot off gets brought back. And so, this justification through the atonement of Jesus Christ, through his blood, as we've been talking about, what that really does uh, is it brings us back in alignment. You know, we talk about broken heart, we talk about contrite spirit, we talk about, and I've mentioned these, and I told you I probably would do it in all of our podcasts, you know, the steps from recovery. Uh, You know, I can't, he can, I'll let him. That's basically the Reader's Digest version of it. So what we are doing here as we're participating in our putting on the atonement of Jesus Christ through the administration of the Holy Spirit, which we've talked about in past episodes as well. But what we're really doing here is we're doing that is we're, we're, uh, We are reaching this justification through the blood of Jesus Christ, which brings us back into complete and proper alignment with him.
1: Well, I, I really like that analogy, Scott. Um, in the Jewish law, and according to the meaning of justification in the scriptures, it's kind of a legal term. It's a court term, that you are justified before the judge. And justified would then mean that you were absolved. Right. That you were, and I think in the spiritual meaning of the term, that you are forgiven. You are forgiven, you are justified of sin. Sanctification, being sanctified, in my way of thinking of it, as described in the scriptures, is that I am strengthened I am made holy I am enabled to keep the commandments and so I think justification means in the scriptures I love your analogy of being in alignment because that's 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 great Uh, but it literally means in in the gospel sense that I'm forgiven of sin and sanctified means I have become
0: holy right so the justification comes before the sanctification, doesn't it?
1: I think it does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do too. Okay.
1: So today, as we uh, move on uh, from the suffering of the Christ in Gethsemane and bleeding from every pore and the important symbols of that, we move to what happens after. And uh, even before Golgotha, he suffered and blood was shed. Um I didn't make this point, I think, strong enough last week. I'm not even sure I said it at all. But as a result of bleeding from every pore, Scott, Jesus would have experienced what is called in the medical terminology um, hematidrosis, if I'm saying that right, which literally means hema is blood, that bloody sweat, and that his capillaries, if he bled from every pore, his capillaries, some veins, some arteries possibly, would have burst. And blood oozing from every pore would have meant that his whole body, Scott, was bruised. It means that he would have been dehydrated. The loss of blood and fluids from every pore would have made him extremely hydrated. Dehydrated. But dehydrated. Yes, thank you. And uh, he, any even, I think, touch...
0: Yeah, it would have been painful.
1: ...would have been painful. A kiss on the cheek from a betrayer would have caused him physical pain. Anything after Gethsemane, any suffering after Gethsemane was intensified because of Gethsemane.
0: Yeah. Exponute, exponentially intensified, I, beyond, beyond even human comprehension. We can't even begin to comprehend how intense that experience was.
1: I mean, the, the uh, suffering of even the... My wife became dehydrated when, you know, when we were in Egypt. She became deathly ill. I, I didn't understand, I don't think at the time, how close I came to losing her. And she was um, hallucinating. She was so nauseous. She was so sick. She was, it was really, really painful for her. And I've, I haven't experienced that. But those who have experienced dehydration knows how painful uh, that is in the illness that that is coming from that, and I think that this idea of being bruised, bleeding from every pore, is really expressed in Isaiah when he says he is despised and rejected of men. We read this last. Yeah, like, let's. Last uh, what's the reference on this? Uh, I'm reading it from the Book of Mormon. It's uh, Benedict quotes Isaiah. Right. So I'm reading in Mosiah 14, verses uh, 3 through 5. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. So this idea that everything after Gethsemane is intensified is important because of what happened in Gethsemane.
0: And so... Here we go. This is where we uh, start moving now into Golgotha. This is where we start moving now into what happened on the cross um, and, and kind of a culmination and a completion of the painful part of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And as we do this, you know, I think, Dave, there's been a few situations in my own life over the last few days where these things are so important to us. And, and, and if we are careful about our observations of our own lives, often we can see where Heavenly Father is allowing us to get glimpses of or a deeper understanding of or to have more empathy towards a certain concept or situation. And that certainly has been the case with me around what is going on in terms of the events of the atonement of Jesus Christ Just just real quickly, in summary, um, because of a position that I hold, I've been participating in um, several challenges. But there's victory in all of that uh, so far because of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the ability of good saints, good people everywhere, to internalize and understand the love and the hope and the peace. And I say peace because much of this is unresolvable. Much of what I'm referring to will not be able to be resolved in this life. There's just challenges. And we go back to the uh, the uh, effects of the fall and we realize, and we remember, we talk about a spiritual and a physical death and everything that we experience and suffer and challenges us. And in this life, everything, whether it's emotionally or physically or otherwise, is a direct result of that fall. And as we start living our lives, and as we go through our lives, we get real poignant, real bright, neon light reminders sometimes of how fallen we are, because that's what life is. And as we get those reminders, and as I, and as I invite others that I work with uh, if, in various capacities, I had a young man call me from another state recently who had been attend- in attendance to uh, our institute class that we teach at BYU, uh, YSA Stake. Uh, and he was just struggling. He, he got in a new position. He's going to be doing something really cool this summer. Uh, and, and he was really doubting himself. He was down on himself. He was beating himself up. He was just not, he just didn't feel right. And he's dealing with some some organic issues, mentally uh, issues. Uh, he's dealing with some OCD and, and some depression and some um, anxiety types of things. And as we had this conversation the other day, uh, he and I, and talked about, and we both helped each other remember who we were, and we talked about if we can just not just remember who we are, but remember what he did and who he is. And I think as we focus on that, and as we start focusing on the intense emotion and the things that not only are about to take place, because to me it feels like physically the... intensification of what's happening to Jesus Christ during this period of time is just getting ridiculously off the charts, beyond anything that any of us could even begin to comprehend. But as we put our minds there, as we put our hearts and our souls there, and I challenged us in our last episode as we started getting into this, you know, in episodes two and three, we really talked about learning who we are, and we talked about knowing him and how we have to spend time in doing that. Last week, I challenged us to spend time here in Gethsemane and to spend time here at Golgotha with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In, and as we do, do so, consider the things that are troubling us because what we're about to see is that no matter how bad the pain that we're feeling as a result of whatever fallen state, whatever it is that we're per- feeling particularly fallen about right now, as a result of the fall, if we'll put ourselves there at Gethsemane, there at Golgotha, and participate in getting to know him there, our relief uh, will come like it did to my friend who called me the other day.
1: So that's that's a great insight. Thank you, Scott. And what it brings to my mind is that I used to ask my students when we would read the verses, all of the verses, I think there are six in the New Testament there's 20 something in the Book of Mormon where Christ says come unto me yeah I used to ask my students so when he says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest yeah right Uh, Matthew 11 where is he if he's saying come unto me where is he he's inviting you to come where and they would say First answer would be heaven I'd say yeah that's good that's awesome but you're not gonna die and go to heaven right now can you come unto him here where where is he and uh, they would say temple and I that's a great answer uh, they would say the mountains and I'd say yeah I love that you can definitely go to Christ in the mountains they would give a lots of different answers and I loved all of them yeah you bet and then somebody would eventually say he wants us to go to Gethsemane. And I would say there it is. When he invites us to come unto him, it can be all those places for sure. Yeah. But the one that I think is most life changing and impactful in our lives is that he when he says, Come unto me, he this is a direct invitation to go to Gethsemane, and to witness his suffering, to follow him through the mockery of a trial, to see him betrayed, and to see him uh, in the in the house ha- in the house of Caiaphas, where they they spit on him. Yeah. I I think that's I don't know why, but that that one gets me. I, I to spit upon him and to slap him and to disgrace him, and to beat him up. Uh, he wants us to see that. When he says, come unto me, he wants us to see his suffering, to go to the cross when he says, come unto me. He's inviting us to go to the cross. And as we do that today, I hope that will help our listeners to be able to view these things in their minds Uh, To not just appreciate them more, but from time to time, I think daily, and um, maybe moment by moment, as Jesus says, look unto me in every thought, that we will uh, think about Jesus and that we will keep his suffering before us as we celebrate, of course, his life. It's the living Christ that's the greatest symbol of our faith, the resurrected living Christ. But uh, after Gethsemane and his betrayal and a mockery of a trial where he is spit and slapped upon, and he's taken early in the morning, probably on Friday morning, early in the morning to the Antonio Fortress where Pilate lives, the governor, and then he goes through another mockery of a trial there, Scott. He's disgraced by, uh, I think, the offer that Pilate makes to the Jews, knowing it's the It's the feast of the Passover, the week of Passover, and he can offer one prisoner to go free, and Pilate can't find Jesus guilty of anything. So he offers Barabbas, uh, or Barabbas as they say it in Hebrew, Uh, Barabbas, who was a murderer. Mark and Luke say he was a murderer. Uh, Definitely a, a bad criminal. I think Pilate... Intentionally picked the most hardened, hated criminal of Jerusalem, and offered him to let him go free because he found Jesus to be guiltless, and then the people choosing uh, Barabbas uh, over over Jesus.
0: I think that's interesting. The uh, just that name. Let's just Barabbas, right? That, so. Let's go there for just a second. Just pause for a second what we're talking about. And let's just take this into consideration. As we go through the scriptures, there's so much in terms of symbolism. There's so much light and shadow and, you know, and all of that going on. Here's something to consider. Barabbas. Um, the, the word Barabbas, Bar means son of, right? And Abba means what again? It means father. You All know, right. we talked about that last week. In fact, you even said that as in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Christ called out, "Abba," right, Daddy, Daddy. It is a intimate term for father. It's a very um, intimate term for father. So here we have the Son of God or Father Barabbas,
1: son of, the... of a Father or Master. Right. Okay.
0: Is literally what it means, Son of Father. Being set free, so the Son of God can set us free. Yeah, yeah. The irony. Yeah,
1: really interesting. I think the irony of that. Uh, So eventually, the Jews begin to chant, speaking of Jesus, "Crucify him, crucify him." Pilate tried to get off the hook by sending him to Herod, because Herod's in town. Uh, Herod uh, is the governor of Galilee and. And Pilate finds out Jesus is a Galilean uh, being from Nazareth. So he sends him to Herod, the governor of Galilee, who who this is the son of the Herod who killed all the babies when Jesus was born. And uh, Jesus won't speak to him. Uh, this is the only individual we know of who asks Jesus a question, and Jesus won't respond. And uh, I think that says something maybe about the disdain that Jesus has for the family of Herod. Uh, Herod, had, maybe uh, may, maybe I shouldn't say that, but for their actions at least, okay. I think Jesus uh, even
0: loved. Well, Herod had John the Baptist put to death.
1: Yes, yeah, Herod. Had so there, pushed, was some, Herod, there was some. There was some feeling. There's a whole family that? of Herods. Okay. Herod's kind of a title. I got you. And so there's a there's a whole. Family of them. This is Herod Antipas, and there was Herod uh, Philip, and Herod the Great was the father. Anyway, he doesn't speak, and they strip him there in in front of Herod, and put on a purple robe to mock him, and they send him back to Pilate. And finally, Pilate uh, comes to the end of what he considers his options and washes his hands. This is a tragedy. I remember. Uh, President Hinckley giving a, well, quite a uh, strong talk towards the, the weakness of Pilate, the wickedness of Pilate in offering Jesus to the Jews. But he finally uh, turns Jesus over to the Jews and tells the Roman soldiers uh, who he has power over to scourge him and to crucify him uh, following the wishes of the Jews. So, uh, they they scourge him, they strip him, and they scourge him with uh, thirty nine lashings of a uh, cat of nine tails sort of whip with uh, iron or sharp pieces of bone uh, tied into the end of these uh, this um, this whip, and uh, that in and of itself would kill some people. Oh yeah because of the pain involved in the loss of blood.
0: Well, you think about that. Those those bones or that flint or those pieces of metal or whatever it was that was tied into that cat of nine tails would lay the body open. I mean, it would lacerate and just could lay you wide open.
1: Right. And uh, after suffering that for some time, uh, he the, the cross was laid on his back and uh, he started to walk towards Golgotha outside the walls of the city. And of course we know that he collapses. I think what he's been through, this is just before 9 a.m. and at 9 p.m. the night before is when he went to Gethsemane. So in 12 hours, he has suffered incomprehensibly. And, uh, no wonder he collapses on the way to Golgotha. And, um, as someone comes forth, I'd like to think he volunteered and came forth. Uh, it seems as though maybe the Roman soldiers grabbed him as one of the spectators and and made Simeon carry the cross the rest of the way. Then they get to Golgotha, and the, the Romans uh, executed thousands of people by crucifixion. Right. Yeah. Jesus isn't the only one. He was one of thousands. This was a form of uh, torture as well as a uh, tool of death. And at 9 a.m., they crucify Jesus. They nail him with these long nails in his hands, in his wrists. So there's four nails. And then one nail through both of his feet. One really long, sharp nail through both of his feet. Five nails And um, I I only mention that because five has kind of become a symbol for Christians in regards to uh, the crucifixion and the atonement. And when I see the number five, I think about that. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: Five's kind of a symbolic number of the suffering of Christ. And uh, he's nailed on the cross at 9 a.m., placed between two thieves I think about their significance in that, the humiliation and going to the depths. Uh, Has some conversation with them. We know Jesus made seven different comments uh, from the cross. Uh, Some of the ones that are the most touching to me are, Forgive them, Father, for they they know not what they do. Uh, I love the one where he calls Mary forth and John, and he says, Behold, speaking to his mother Mary, Behold thy son. And to John he says, Speaking of Mary, Behold thy mother. His, his interest, even on the cross, Scott, was not a self-interest. Right. His, his interest was, was one of thinking of others, taking care of others, Telling the, uh, talking to the uh, the thieves and anyway, so it's on the cross where he suffers from nine a.m. when he's crucified until twelve noon, and at twelve noon, this is when again all hell breaks loose.
0: Yeah, literally, right?
1: And Gethsemane reoccurs, and. This is I'm I, that's a quote from Elder Talmage and Elder McConkie, that on the cross when twelve noon when it goes dark, that Gethsemane reoccurs intensified, and so you think about this from twelve noon until three p.m. when he dies, and there's an earthquake at three p.m. when he dies, that all of Gethsemane and all the sins and sicknesses and infirmities and spiritual death, basically. Right. Spiritual death is pressed upon him, as it was in Gethsemane, intensified. He cries out at 12 noon, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And now for three more hours, all alone, he suffers again, as he did in Gethsemane. Um it's worse, and one reason it's worse, intensified, is because there's not an angel there on the cross to strengthen him. Uh, in Gethsemane, he had uh, Michael, Adam, there to strengthen him. And here he is utterly, quoting Elder Holland, utterly and completely all alone. And for three more hours, that goes on. I, I was so thrilled, Scott, when President Nelson said these words in um, October 2018. He's teaching about the suffering and atonement of Jesus Christ. And President Nelson, in his talk called The Correct Name of the Church, said, Jesus Christ was brutally reviled, mocked, spit upon, and scourged. In the Garden of Gethsemane, our Savior took upon him the the pains, sins, and all of the anguish and suffering ever experienced by you and me, and by everyone who has ever lived or will ever live. Think about the infinite nature of the atonement, as we spoke about last week. And then he says this, Under the weight of that excruciating burden, he bled from every pore. All of this suffering in Gethsemane was intensified as he was cruelly crucified on Calvary's cross. And even Jesus himself, Scott, chooses throughout the scriptures to focus more on the cross than he does upon Gethsemane. It seems like. I think for some time now we've kind of focused our thoughts and our conversations when we speak of his suffering to be in Gethsemane. I don't think that's really accurate, and I don't think it's really pleasing to the Lord as much as he suffered there.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that.
1: He focused on the cross, and we need to focus more on what happened on the cross and understand that. Uh, Throughout the scriptures, Um, in the Doctrine and Covenants, for example, the book of the Restoration, in the Revelations, there's only one place he refers to Gethsemane, and that's section 19. Six times in other sections, Revelations, uh, he focuses on the cross. And he says over and over again, I was crucified For the sins of the world When he is in the Americas in the Book of Mormon and he's getting to to make his final departure Scott and he's with the 12 uh, his 12 disciples the 12 Apostles and in the Americas in uh, third Nephi chapter 27 he says that he chooses to focus on the cross. Maybe, maybe we yeah, let's just, do that. Can we read that verse? Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and while you're doing that, don't forget your train of thought there, because I just want to point a couple of things out. Who was at the cross? Yeah, and this is important. You know, we, we, we talked a few minutes ago about uh, earlier in this uh, episode, we talked about we need to go there. He said, come to me. That's Gethsemane. That's Golgotha. That's the right. atonement experience. Who was there? So let's just take a real quick consideration of who was at the cross. You know, we know we had men there. We had women there. We had Jews there. We had Gentiles there. We had educated there. Roman soldiers had, there. Roman soldiers were there. The uh, uh, slaves, uh, you know, servants. We have uh, every uh, different races were there. We had uh, educated, non educated. We had religious. We had no, those that were not religious. We had those that believed, those that didn't believe. So wait a minute. I think I just described the human race. You know, we were represented there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody like us was there. And we literally can go there ourselves. And I think it's important that we do that. We go there ourselves, you know.
1: Hard to know what happened when it it went really dark. Yeah, I mean, that darkness would have been intense. And... uh, and I'll bet that I'll bet the people really became confused at twelve noon, and I don't know how many stuck around. I'm sure some did, but I, I think about the the uh, chaos that may have caused, and uh, the fears that may have come upon the people when it went dark at twelve noon. And it was dark from twelve noon until three p.m. Scott, and yep. it, at three p.m. of course, well maybe before. I, let me read this yeah, first. Yeah, read the and then we'll, come back and we'll get to that. that. Yeah. So this is Jesus to his 12 disciples in the Americas, 3 Nephi, chapter 27, verse 14. And my Father sent me, he says, that I might be lifted up upon the cross. And after that I had been lifted up upon the cross, that I might draw all men unto me, that as I have been lifted up by men, even so should men be lifted up by the Father. So there, this cross and what happens on the cross, Scott, is such a Jesus, at least, chooses to focus on that being the epitome, the, the, uh, the climax, zenith of his suffering is what happens on the cross, and especially, again, the last three hours from 12 noon until 3 p.m. And at 3 p.m., I believe there was an earthquake. There's the chronology here. Not everyone's in agreement with chronology. But at 3 p.m., when he cries, it is finished. I believe there was a great earthquake. The rocks were rent. There was a great confusion then. Uh, the veil was rent the veil of the temple was rent yep. torn it yep. was a heavy it wasn't any small curtain no
0: that that veil would have required several men to lift it
1: down. yes yes and it was rent from top to bottom representing really that the the atonement was made the reconciliation between god and man was made uh, was was complete and jesus cries out uh, into my hands, into the into Thy hands, I commend my spirit. Uh, anyway, that that is the death of, of the, Jesus.
0: Uh, when you talked about the earthquake, let's be clear: the earthquake isn't what's in question; it's the timing of the earthquake. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Okay. So we right. know there was an earthquake. It's I, just... I
1: think I think Scott. Let me just say, Mother Earth. Yes, has a spirit. We Absolutely. learned that in the Pearl of Great Price. Yep. And even Mother Earth has to turn away from this suffering in the last moments of his suffering, just before he dies. Mother Earth has to turn, and this—I think there's this internal struggle in the Earth that yeah. causes this
0: this massive earthquake. Well, you think about it. You know, Jesus Christ is the light and the life of the world, creator of it. And everything in it is subjected to him. And everything was created spiritually before it was created physically. So we know the spirit is there. If Jesus Christ is the light and the life of the world, and he has the ability to have that effect there on Mother Earth, why can't that effect be placed here? I have a quote. uh, And this is what he says His heart, excuse me, let me start over. This is by Spurgeon, an old a uh, Bible scholar. I don't know much about him, but this is what he Protestant,
1: said. Protestant uh, minister, preacher.
0: Okay. This is what he says. He says, men's hearts did not respond to the agonizing cries of the dying redeemer. And let's think about that. That still applies today. You know, maybe still men's hearts in many occasions. And maybe when I say men's hearts, I'm talking about me and you. Uh, and when I say me and you, I'm talking about you, all of you who are listening, male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. But if men's hearts did not respond to the agonizing cries of the dying Redeemer, but the rocks responded, the rocks were rent. He didn't die for rocks yet. Rocks were more tender than the heart than the hearts of men for whom he had shed his blood interesting you know and and as we go there and as we think about okay why is that the case remember the one thing that we have that heavenly father doesn't own is our agency and it's our agency that will align us with mother earth with the rocks who actually felt the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ or It's our agency that will preclude us from doing that. And so there's wherein lies our choice, our free agency to embrace and heal or to ignore and stay in our misery.
1: Yeah, I love that quote and your insights on that, Scott. Thank you for sharing it. Finally, as we probably wrap this up and... uh, think of his last few moments on the cross, I think it's important for us to not only remember what happened, and and we'll start in the next episodes, begin to talk about why it happened right. and the effects of the atonement we're kind of winding up not not yet we're, we need well, to talk we can about tie next... in some of the
0: effects when we get into oh, yeah, the we're... garden of Gethsemane. i mean well into next the time garden we'll probably tomb. talk
1: about the death and yeah. resurrection yeah. of jesus which is part of the atonement and and the continued events of the atonement so as we finish up the events of the atonement we're going to soon move into the effects of the atonement but i think there's another question not not just what happened or or uh, why it had had to happen or what it covered But who caused it? Yeah. (laughs) I think this is the ultimate humbling uh, question, Scott, to ponder is who really caused it? I remember when Mel Gibson made his movie The Passion, there was a great, oh, there was a real internet uh, divisive debate going on about, uh, he kind of, at least the interpretation. I never saw the movie. But the interpretation that I guess was kind of put on it, the spin that was put on it, was that the Jews had had crucified him and caused the death of Jesus. And I can understand how that, how that, that uh, uh, plot could be uh, good in a movie and how, how he could uh, take that uh, position some said no the, the romans caused the death of jesus and it's gone back and forth i think uh, for hundreds of years who killed jesus this is so precious that nephi captured in first nephi chapter 9 7 and 9 i'm going to read verses 7 and 9 scott in what chapter in first uh, nephi chapter 19 first nephi chapter 19 Nephi captures this, and he had seen this in his vision in 1 Nephi chapter 11, but he, he says here, For the things which some men esteem to be of great worth, both to the body and soul, others set it not, and trample under their feet. Yea, even the very God of Israel, Do men trample under their feet? I say trample under their feet, but I would speak in other words. They set him at naught, and they hearken not to the voice of his counsels. Verse 9, And the world, because of their iniquity, shall judge him to be a thing of naught. Wherefore they, meaning the world, scourge him, and he suffereth it. And they, the world, smite him, and he suffereth it. Yea, and they, the world, spit upon him, and he suffereth it. Because of his loving kindness, and his long suffering towards the children of men ah oh, i i read those verses and i know i played a role in this unfortunately sadly i played a role all of us did in the uh, in the suffering of jesus christ he nobody could cause that he was willing to suffer it uh, for me, for you, for all of those, as President Nelson said, for everyone who ever has or who is living or who will ever live upon this earth, uh, we're the ones that caused the suffering of Jesus. And he willingly, and for, and, and for joy, he did it out of joy because he loved us, was willing to, uh, to do that for us. So who caused the suffering? Yeah, we did. The world. Yep. Me and you.
0: Me and you. Me and you. And and that's where my focus needs to be, is what did I do? You know, I, as, as I'm thinking about, and that's my invitation for all of us, right? Think about it. This week, it's going to be a difficult one. It really is difficult to consider because it requires transparency and inner honesty, the likes of which very few of us ever have the courage or the wherewithal to dive into. But literally, we should be asking ourselves, you know, if we truly want to heal from whatever it is we're seeking healing from, if we truly want to repent, which is literally to turn away from that which is not like him and turn towards him and bask in his light, enjoying the peace and harmony of the spirit that comes with that, if we're really going to experience that, these things are important. If we're going to overcome our addictions, if we're going to move past the divorce, if we're going to move past those things that, from the fall, tip us over, the death of a loved one, the unexplained separation of relationships, et cetera, it requires a deep consideration from all of us. You know, we need to ask ourselves. I'm going to ask myself again, and I do this, I, I participate in this exercise regularly as a personal inventory, but where do I scourge him? Where have I smitten him? Where in a, not a literal sense, but a figurative sense, do I spit on the teachings of the principles of the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And it's important for us to have those considerations, Dave. Uh,
1: It takes, takes real understanding, I think, of the suffering of Jesus to be able to really experience, Scott, the broken heart, and contrite spirit required for each of us to repent. It takes that level or depth of humility. And uh, too many times in my own life, I have had to cry out, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for the suffering that I have caused my Savior and Redeemer and tried to express that to my Heavenly Father and uh, to my Savior, uh, you know, the, the level and depth of my, my sorrow and my depth and level of my gratitude to know that he was willing to suffer and die just for me. And in my concluding, my part on this episode, Scott, I just want to briefly uh, testify in the name of Jesus Christ that I know that what we have talked about in regards to the atonement of Jesus Christ thus far is true. I know with an eye of faith I have seen the suffering of Jesus in Gethsemane, the suffering throughout his life, the suffering in his temptations, the suffering of bleeding from every pore the suffering of betrayal, the suffering of abuse, the suffering on the cross when he experienced spiritual, total darkness. And uh, I testify that I know that these things are true. Uh, And I pray that uh, all of us with an eye of faith will, will ponder these things daily, when we partake of the holy sacrament that we will remember these things and ponder these things and express more often and with greater humility and gratitude what we know and uh, that we will uh, repent which we'll talk more about in future episodes as well and so that's my prayer and my testimony of of what we have said and what I know to be true. And I say it in the name of Jesus Christ.
0: Thanks so much, Dave. You know, uh, there is absolutely nothing. Uh, The things that we are talking about are paramount to absolutely Everything conceivable, even everything inconceivable, they are paramount in importance. Uh, Because, you know, without the things that we're talking about here, without the atonement of Jesus Christ, without the fall, without understanding who we are, whose we are, the infinite nature of the atonement of Jesus Christ, where it stretched into pre-mortal life and stretches from there into eternity, you know, without beginning, without end, really. So important, yet it's so easy for me, and I know I'm not alone because I'm not the only natural man around here, but it's so easy for me sometimes to get distracted, to forget, to be focused on something that is besetting me, to focus on whatever it is the effects of the fall are having on me that day or that moment or that time in my life. If I can focus and maintain my focus on the things that we're talking about now, the events of the atonement of Jesus Christ, and move that focus as we do that into the effects, the healing effects, literally the balm of Gilead, as we start moving into the balm and the healing and the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. We bring with us our hope, we bring with us our healing, we bring with us our ability to share in ways that are acceptable, in loving ways to those that we love, the hope and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is centered on, the, on his atonement, on the ability for us to be healed from everything and anything Everything and literally anything that the fall, that this life can put upon us. I just want to end with this. Um, We started the podcast today by reading words from a few hymns. Uh, I'm going to read the words from, there is a green hill far away. This is 194 in the hymnal, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints hymnal, page 194. There is a green hill far away without a city wall where the dear Lord was crucified, who died to save us all. We may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear, but we believe it was for us, and I might say it was for me. He hung and suffered there. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Oh, dearly, dearly has he loved, and we must love him too and trust in his Redeeming blood and try his works to do. Great day. We are grateful that you've been here with us. I must also testify of the truthfulness of the changing effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I've lived it. I'm constantly living it. It has made my life into much, much more than I could have ever made of it myself. Uh, What I made of it myself was an absolute train wreck. When I invited him back into my life, when I Began to notice where my scourging, where my smiting, where my spitting upon him was actually literally and figuratively taking place. Once that discovery was made, a solution was put back into place to me. My life has never been the same. And I'm grateful for that today. And I invite, if you are struggling in any way, this hope, this promise is universal. It's universal. It's infinite and it's universal. It's for all of us. Please remember, he redeems us at gmail.com. Send us your comments, your stories, your questions. We will entertain those that we can here on the podcast. And also remember to visit our social media pages. They are the same name as the podcast, Redeemed Through His Blood on Facebook as well as Instagram. We want to give a special thanks to Cherie Curtis for helping with our social media. Thank Ann Matthews for our piano music and our music. We want to thank Taylor Durfee, who has helped us with our logo. And finally, Mr. Joseph Bricky, who has graciously allowed us to use his beautiful artwork as part of our logo. We look forward to being with you again next week. Please remember that he loves you. Please remember that He is deeply aware of every detail of your life. Please remember that He's not surprised by anything that's going on in your life, and He's not mad at you. Uh, He invites you to fill His love. We invite you to do the same. We look forward to being with you next week. Until then, take care.